0: Hello and welcome to the Prophets and Prana podcast. My name is Esme. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga marketing coach, and the founder of 42yogis.com. Today I'm talking with Jen Phillips-April, who is a copywriter. She has spent hundreds of hours since 2004 studying the craft of copywriting and developing online marketing skills. Since 2011, she has worked with small businesses to develop and grow their businesses online. Her clients often generate 30 to 40% more traffic after she writes the copy, which in turn translates into more sales and more clients. And who doesn't want that? In this episode, we're going to talk to you about copywriting and online marketing and how you can use some of these tools to grow your yoga business online. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jen. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. How's I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. So it's a lovely June. Whoa, it's a July day, actually. It's a lovely July I day.
1: <laughs> I know. Snuck up on us, didn't it? Oh man,
0: it's been going by so fast. This year is just going to blur so far. So before we get started, would you like to tell the audience a little bit more about you, and um, and then we can really dive into, into what this whole soulful business thing is all about?
1: Sure. Um, Well, my name is Jim Phillips, April, and I'm a copywriter and social media trainer. I go into businesses and train them on how to use um, social media for for their business, and I work with entrepreneurs um, in a lot of different aspects, um, from you know developing sales copy for particular courses and and sales funnels and like that. Um, And I really love, love, love doing that, and uh, and I really enjoy uh, video, which is something that's kind of new to me (laughs) over the last couple of years. I've been getting more involved in that. Yep, that's a little bit about about me and um, I've been in the online marketing world for a long time, like mid to early 2000s, <laughs> so it's uh, a long time. It
0: sounds like we, we got started around the same time. I started building websites professionally in 1999, but I didn't really embrace the whole online marketing thing for a while, mm-hmm. but it sounds like we've both been active online for, it. God, like 15 years. That's scary. Yeah, that is scary.
1: Oh my God!
0: <laughs> so, how did you get into copywriting?
1: So it's you know, I so I always have loved writing, and I know a lot of copywriters don't come at it from that perspective. But you know, I I always say I, you know I'm, I'm a little file and I came out of the womb with a book in my hand. Um, yeah, so I was I have a journalism undergraduate degree, so was, you know, but I never really pursued that, and and I. Was trying to figure out what I wanted to do in my life. But that's also very much attracted to marketing. So I ended up going into the um, museum field where I have a master's degree in museum studies and I worked in the museum field of education and marketing for 10 years. And around 2003, I think it was 2002, 2003, I was charged with creating the first website for the small historic house where I was working because I was the youngest person on staff, so therefore I should do that task <laughs> and I was a little terrified because I knew enough to know about code and things like that. And I was trying to do a lot of micro stuff. I was working with someone in New Orleans where I was living before in the late nineties. So I had some, I kind of taken a break for it for a few years and now it's coming back into it. Um, but it turns out it was an early content management system. This was a pre WordPress, you know, system but it was very easy to use and I found that I really enjoyed it. I really liked putting this together and you know, writing the copy and um, going back on and i sure it was you know, not very good. Uh, <laughs> my first attempt, but I, it, I really it opened my eyes to you know what was possible and reminded me of this amazing new online world. And I did a lot of exploration, and I felt, fell into um, you know found a lot of people who were who were yeah you know, I guess the leading entrepreneurs at the time, and just started learning as much as I could. And uh, I went full time as a professional copywriter in 2010. Wow.
0: Man, wow. that's um, that's before a lot of people doing this whole online business thing even knew what that was.
1: <laughs> well, I, you know, I realized how cool this was very early. Um, even in the late '90s, I was exploring this, but I hadn't figured out when to work. And um, then I went to you know museum school, and that was very sort of traditional, you know, graduate program, and. Then I worked in the field, and I was like, you know, I really want to be mobile. That, you know, independence is always the leading factor in my life, like this desire to be independent. And, you know, I want to be able to be mobile and move around and travel more. And I don't really do a lot of that just right now. But, I, you know, for now, my business really is all online. I have, I think, two local clients currently. And I otherwise, I have clients in Australia and England and, you know, all over the United States and Canada. So it really is... Um, I really am location-independent
0: now. That really, takes a long time to get here,
1: though.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I completely understand that. And that's the beauty of working online, though, So you don't have to do everything local anymore. So exactly. It used to be that is how you could get clients, is local. And outside mm-hmm. your little local bubble, you really didn't have the same opportunities. And it was a lot harder to get people to take you seriously because they'd never heard of you before. Now they can just look up your website. They can Google you and learn whether or not you're going to be a good fit for them. Absolutely. And speaking of a good fit, I think a lot of that whole positioning comes from copy. And if someone is just getting started in this online business thing and they don't want to be scammy and salesy, so they're they're probably a little afraid of that, as most people who subscribe to this podcast are, Mm
1: -hmm. what
0: are some things they can do to position themselves using their copy that is more authentic and and makes them known that they can be seen as an expert, but without this whole like used car salesman thing going
1: on. Oh, right. Yeah, it's a really great question because there is a huge difference and there's totally a way to write really great persuasive copy without sounding like a used car salesman. You know, and and you know, sometimes it takes just a lot of rewriting to get to that point because you do have to have certain elements. I mean, you know, you think of a, of a sales page, for example, and there are certain elements to that that make it work. You know, you have to have a persuasive headline. You know, another, and you need a strong, you know, call to action, in your and you ask someone to something like the "Buy" button, for example. You know, so there are particular elements that need to be in place, but the way you come across, you know, if you if you approach it from your heart, and you know, people who are listening to your podcast, I mean, are very soul centered and thinking about, you know, and may or may not really think of it from the term values, uh, you know, put that kind of that label on it. But you know, if you're coming from a place of love or, or um, you know, alignment, however you want to describe it. You're, you know, if you think of your, the people you're talking to, it's always a great idea to know exactly who your ideal client is. I and mean, that kind of goes into a whole other piece. But, you know, you really need to know who you're speaking with. And what is the biggest benefit you can bring to them from this one thing that you're offering? And if you take it from that perspective, um, and I go through this process where I, you know, we with the client, with the, um, probably for them. I get on the phone with them and I go through and I ask them a lot of series, a series of questions about their ideal client, about the product service they're selling, you know, and where is the alignment there? How does it match up? You know, so really thinking about the results that your ideal like, client will get, because that's really what you want for them. You want them to help, help help them get the best things they can get from you, and you have a solution to the problem that they have. So let's make that match.
0: I think that's a really important distinction, because so often when people are getting started in this online marketing thing and this online entrepreneurship thing, they just throw up some words that they think sound good that maybe they've seen other people use, and then it turns out it's not a good match. They're not getting people who are a good match. Their services don't really match with what it is that they want to be doing. And I think it's just a bad precedent. Right. And I think something that's been that I've been seeing a lot is that people are afraid to get very specific, especially in this in this yoga niche that I'm in. Yoga teachers are almost afraid to say, you know what, I only work with kids or I only work with pregnant women or I only work with people with mobility issues because it's like they don't want to put this out into the world and then stop attracting other people. Mm -hmm. It's like they're afraid of being pigeonholed and somehow isolating themselves and then not getting enough income, which is, I think, a really serious concern for a lot of people. So how can being really clear about who it is you serve and what your products and services are in your copy help you not be so restricted, but instead help you get more opportunities?
1: Oh, that's a great question. That works across all industries. Um, I mean, I've had, a, even myself, I've had the same issue, you know, like, oh, but I don't want to do this because, I don't want to stand in this um, ground because then I you know, might be closing myself up opportunities. And you know what? It doesn't actually work that way. And I've seen this over and over and over again because you know, everyone's told, you know, pick a niche. So for example, in yoga, you know, the yoga teachers, yeah. Picking, um, that you want to work with children, you want to work with pregnant moms. That actually really helps you because then you know exactly who you're trying, you, you want to target. You know, what kind of headline to write? Hey, pregnant moms, you know, let's make your birth easier. You know, whatever you want it to be. And you also know where to go find the pregnant moms to talk to them. And it makes it so much easier because you trust in that community of relationships. With people who are, you know, fighting moms, as opposed to targeting, you know, you know high stress executives on mom um, breathing techniques and like yoga know, at the desk or something. You know, so it's really, it helps narrow your focus, which makes life a lot easier. And the funny thing about that is you end up attracting more people who are in that space, the people you really well, want to work with, but you also attract other people.
0: I think that's a really good way of looking at it. Uh, getting clear on on who it is that you're attracting, and then when you can position yourself that way, maybe people in in other niches could be interested in what it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. I have this weird little yoga niche. It, it is so bizarre. That I can't even I can't even explain how bizarre it is. But um, I somehow work with people who are they make quilts for a living. I I work mostly with quilt ladies. Interesting. Yeah, I, I totally fell into it. Um, I'm, I'm a quilter, I make quilts. There's an organization that does art quilts and there's this big festival every year. And I started teaching yoga there because I, I was working at this festival and I noticed that all these little quilt ladies are walking around hunched over because quilting is mm. really challenging on the body. And so that is, that's the little niche that I am in right now. I'm expanding that to anybody with mobility issues. But when I started doing that, I I didn't tell people that's what I was doing, because I was so afraid that if I say, okay, well I'm working right now just with with quilt ladies, that other people wouldn't be interested in working with me because they go, oh well, you, this isn't going to work out, and I didn't want that that restriction. Exactly what you what you said might happen well, happened when other people in other little niches would go, oh, well, you're doing that. That's sort of close to what I'm going through. Maybe you can help me with that. And it started to just expand from mm-hmm. there. Right. It's awesome, isn't it? It is, but I think it's a little bit of a mental block at first to, yes. to help to, to position yourself there. I mean, you need to be willing to put yourself out there as I'm going to do this one thing and I'm going to do it really, really, really well. And then I can later do all these other things. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of us in this this online business thing, we I think we we suffer from this affliction of having too many really good ideas and we want to do them all.
1: <laughs> oh yes, I thought that someone earlier today, has a lot of ideas and she needs to focus, or she's not going to be able to do her posts Exactly, yeah. and I think getting
0: really clear on on your copywriting maybe it won't help you focus, but maybe it will help the the one website that you have right now be more clear, be mm-hmm. more concise and more focused. And then later yeah. you can change the copy and go and do some other things.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And you know it reminds me of something I um I was talking with a friend a few weeks ago. And you know, it's like who is your ideal client today, right now? And then you write to that person. So if you're working with these filters you know the filters who are having mobility issues are all hunched over well that's you know that's your target market right now and that may shift and change over time i think we is even you said it was a known blog that's so true because we get in this mode of prolific you know people whatever it is and it doesn't work that way i mean you know this whole thing is a journey life is a journey you know being in, in business for is also a complete journey and you constantly are reevaluating um, what you know, what it is you're doing, uh, your business processes, and how much you uh, you know you love working with these people. That in you know, a year and a half, now you might be offering through completely different types of services. It just happens.
0: <laughs> uh, it does, and and I completely agree with that with that assessment. So something that I think a lot of people can really benefit from is and you. You touched on this. I mean, who's your ideal client? day. And I think something a lot of people can really benefit from is, is thinking about their ideal client, not from this idealized, okay, so if it's a perfect world, my ideal client is married, she has this many children, she went to this college, she makes this amount of money, and she lives in this city, because The odds of that person existing when you just sort of make it up out of your head, I think can be really slim. And then if they do exist, I think it can be challenging to know what words to use in your copy to target them. So when I work on my copy, I try to focus on a specific human Mm -hmm. that I know exists, like a real person. Like she's got a name. Like I've seen her pictures on Facebook It is a real person. Is that something that works when you're doing copies? Is it something that has worked for your clients or am I just like the weird one here?
1: No, that is actually spot on. Um, if you ever read any kind of how to write kinds of books, and it doesn't matter if it's fiction, a blog post or sales copy, everyone will say, picture your, your person, You know, give them a name, put out a picture that you think looks like them and type, tape it to your monitor. I mean, you know, all kinds of tricks are used that way to wait Recognize and what it is is it's helping you to focus because once you focus on Susie, who's you know 40 years old, has 2.5 children, and you know works the, the job that she's not in love with, um, but you know, ends up a quilter on the side and needs help with her, um, you know, her back pain issues because she's in her neck because she's sitting hunched over at the computer all day at her day job and then quilting on the weekends and the evenings. I'm mean, like, now you have a specific purpose and you know who you're talking to and what her concerns are and you just know a lot more about her. So that's a really great technique. So for
0: me, I, my background is in art. So I, I think of them more like more like a muse, like a copy muse. <laughs> I love it.
1: The copy muse. Yes.
0: <laughs> I, yeah. It's just something that, that I call them, you know, in, in my own, in my own business. But um, I think something that a lot of people really struggle with when it comes to their ideal client avatar is, okay, so there's this person that I want to help with yoga. What if they don't want my help? And I think more often than not, a lot of people become afraid of targeting this one person in their copy because that person, there's this little voice in the back of their head that says, you know, they may not want to work with me. And then what do I do? Do I redo all my copy? Do I start over? Do I rebrand? And I think it can be really intimidating to people. So and that's not testing the market, right? Yes. And <laughs> that's something that, you know, I had a, a business uh, several years ago. That's something I should have done because turns out the business idea was good, but I hadn't figured out how to monetize it.
1: And mm-hmm. that's a problem. Yes. And, you know, that's one of those, you know, when you see people creating all these things before they figure out there's really a, a market for it, or they have a um, tapped into the market in any way. You know, whether it's writing a book or um, creating a course, or you know, or any other kind of thing, it's it, you know, it can be very disheartening because you spent, you know years of your life creating this thing, and then you're like, okay, now I'm ready to sell it, and then you don't either know how to sell it or you, you know, no one seems to want it, and you to sell it. And I've seen that happen, and it's, it's it's disappointing for sure.
0: It is, and I think that's something that's become. I don't know if it's become more common or if we're just more willing to talk about it. I don't know. But I keep seeing that happen. And it's like, man, you know, I learned this lesson the hard way. You know, take it from me. You know, spend a little time doing some research. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're in a really small town, maybe prenatal yoga is not the thing that's going to make you money. Like there just may not be that many pregnant women around at any one point in time.
1: Right. That's a really good point. Yeah, so thinking of like, whatever your business model is, if you're teaching yoga, you know, pregnant women, then yes, you need to be in a larger city, with a lot of pregnant women. Because at the end of nine months, they're not going yes. to be pregnant anymore. So You need to keep filling those glasses. <laughs> exactly.
0: Now, when it comes to writing online copy, is there a process that you have? Because I think a lot of people, when they are, sit down, you know, they start writing their copy And, you know, it takes a couple hours and then they're like, this is too hard. I can't do this. And then they stop. So is there something that you have like a a technique or a secret that can make the process feel less overwhelming, even if it does take two hours?
1: Yes. I mean, there are definitely tips and and, and techniques. And and I'd say the first one is know the end goal. What is it you want this page to accomplish? And I think that's a little bit easier, too, if you think of your website as multiple pages and you're not trying to dump all your knowledge onto one page, you know, you're breaking it up. That's the whole point of different pages. So if people are coming to your homepage, what do you want them to do from there? Do you want them to go, you know, to your contact form? Do you want them to your about you page? Do you want to do it blog post or video? Like, what do you want them to do? And then you can work backwards.
0: I like that. So when I'm working on websites for people, I, I want them to map out what it is that they want for, from each page. And I, I don't teach copy. I don't do anything with copy. But I want people to, to think about, you know, we're setting up your website. People come to the homepage. Where is the next logical place for them to go?
1: Do you want them to go
0: to your yoga classes? Do you want them to contact you? Do you want them to read your bio? And then knowing that we can position things like the navigation, the images to reach that goal. And as you rightly said, the copy, which, you know, is not something that I offer for my clients, but yes, you know, you can position the copy to lead your visitors on this journey with you.
1: Exactly.
0: So number one, know your end goal. I love that.
1: Yeah. Know your end goal and then work backwards and do that for each page.
0: Yeah. I think that sounds a little bit, scary <laughs> for some people because you know when you define this goal you're also defining that you know what i may not actually work out like this this may not actually succeed and we've got this this idea because you know everything on the internet is so accessible we, it's like we have this idea that oh my god if this doesn't work out everybody's going to know and everybody's going to laugh at me or they're going to think that i don't know what i'm doing mm-hmm. And there's so much stuff going online. Like I can guarantee you, I have had products that have been a complete and total failure that people have not noticed.
1: Yes. And, and I agree with you hundred percent. Like people are so afraid. I just taught this blogging class recently, real life locally. And you know, they just don't even want to press publish because they have this idea that's going to be on the, you know, on page of the New York times or something tonight. <laughs> well, that would be nice. Yeah. I know. like, you know, in reality, there's no wave of, People who are going, oh, what is she doing next? You know, yes. <laughs> did, did that work? Did that not work? Oh no! You know, it's just not. There's just so much going on. There's so much going on. And yes, it's visible online. That doesn't mean it's being found. It doesn't mean people are even it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Number one, know your end goal and reverse engineer it. Uh, do you have a second and third tip for us?
1: Going back to the ideal client. So when you know your end goal, then you have an easier time deciding who. Is going to actually be reading this, right? Mm-hmm. Know your end goal and work backwards, and then know um, so you know who, you, who you're going to write to. And then you want to make sure you have a really great, catchy title head, or headline that's going to bring people in.
0: Ah, you know, a lot of people forget about that part.
1: Yes, that's actually one of the most important parts in the entire copywriting process is the headline. Because that's the first thing people are going to see, and you've got about three seconds to capture their attention. And if they don't like it, they're not going to keep reading. They're right. And that's the same whether you're then putting this on Facebook to intrigue people to click on it, or if it's just going straight on your website.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I worked uh, for a newspaper about, gosh, 12 years ago. Now I, I did their, I was their overnight website editor. And something that the reporters used to agonize over was the headline for the article mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then the first sentence. And yes. I couldn't figure out why that was. And so I just asked someone. They said, you know, it's because the goal of the headline is to make them read the first sentence. and The goal of the first sentence is to make them want to read the rest of the paragraph, which then draws them into the article. Because if, if that first sentence sucks, they're not mm-hmm. going to read the first paragraph. They're going to go, okay, this isn't relevant to me. Or, you know, I really don't care about fracking right now or whatever the topic is. And they're gonna move on. And you want more and more people to read your articles. And I think the same is very, very true online, especially because now we can track it. So if people are reading your articles, we know now. Like we yes. have this information. With print media, you usually didn't know if your article was actually being read if it was just being skimmed.
1: Yes, which brings me to a third point about skimming, or was we online called scanning, right? Because that's actually how most people read online. Even if it's you want to know but it's just like the nature of reading it's the medium you know the nature of reading online it's just kind of more difficult on our eyes so you know making sure you're working things up with lots of white space is so important and in short sentences and short paragraphs Like you don't want a long paragraph a long paragraph can be full of lines mm-hmm. you, know, you want to keep it really really short and, and, and keep it moving
0: yeah, I totally agree with you there. I can't tell you how many articles I've started to read where it, it looks like there's suddenly this big brick of text in the middle of the screen, and I'm like, yeah, no, not, <laughs> yeah. not in the mood.
1: It's hard on your eyes, and if you're reading on a phone, which a lot of people are, so you, know, you you always want to keep in mind like where is your audience, where they're going to potentially be, and try to make it as easy as possible. You know, make it easy for them to read the information. Yes, exactly. Use those subheads and you know, break it up with um, short sentences and short words.
0: Yes, and I was just the other day. I was reading an article on uh, the art of manliness, and I'm not a man, but they've got really (laughs) good content. And I was on my phone, and this paragraph looked like it went on. hours (laughs) because it was just you know the top and the bottom of the post was just I couldn't I had no way of knowing how long this was and so I actually scrolled all the way down to the end to get an idea of how much reading I had ahead of me and I totally agree that long-form content is going to be one of the best ways to grow your audience to position yourself as an expert but you need to optimize it for wherever your people are
1: exactly and that's one of the, the biggest um topics and comes to copyright should be long or short people love that debate's been going on for at least 100 years and it probably continue for the next thousand uh and you know it, it always comes down to it doesn't matter like if your people are really interested they're going to read it but you need to make it easy for them to read yes you know make it as easy as possible
0: yes exactly all right so i have a few other questions before we start to wrap up and the first one that I have for you is: Do you listen to business podcasts? Yes,
1: but not a lot. Do you have a favorite? Mm. No, I can't think of one. I have like 103 on my phone right now. <laughs> I don't listen to them a lot because I don't drive much anymore. Oh yeah, it's like prime time for listening to podcasts. It is. Um, it so is. You know, and uh, since I work from home, and you know, and I'm just not in the car a whole lot, I don't listen to a lot of them anymore. Then I've actually started
0: listening to podcasts while I cook dinner and do the dishes Oh,
1: okay. because
0: I work from home. So I'm, I'm not driving anywhere either. Um, but I've always got to cook and I always have to do the dishes. So it, it's, it's a good way to not really stand there and going, Oh my God, I hate doing dishes. That's a good point. So a nice little distraction. Okay. So um, business books, then do you have a favorite business book? Um, there are so
1: many great business books. I mean Arthur. I, I mean you know, and I have a library full of them. I guess it's um, the email. I don't know if you've read that. But I no, I have. A, but it's all about the you know, the concept of of you know we go into business for ourselves because we love doing whatever it is we love doing. But we don't realize all the other functions that go along with it, like bookkeeping or marketing or mm-hmm. you know, cleaning, for example, any of it, right? Because we use this example throughout this entire book. This woman who owned a bakery. Well, you know she liked she loved to bake. Course, right, that's why she opened a bakery, but then she was actually spending you know a gazillion hours doing all these other things, ordering supplies, you know, cleaning, physically cleaning the place every night, um, you know, and on and on. And, on. and she's just exhausted and doesn't understand like why she's even doing what she's doing. And so, he's helping her, he's a business coach, he's helping her put processes in place, and you know, so she can hire people to do some of these other things.
0: Yes, yes, definitely. And I think a lot of people. Really struggle with that idea of, you know what, it's my business, but I don't have to do everything by myself.
1: Right, right. So, you know, being in that zone, you know, what is it that's your particular zone of genius? What do you love doing that you, you get really great results from and, and outsource as much as you can? Yes,
0: yes. Outsourcing is amazing. <laughs> I can't even tell you how much I love outsourcing. <laughs> so, um, a couple last questions. Number one, well, I guess this is really number three in, in the, the last questions. Uh, what is something that you wish you had known earlier when you started your whole online business journey? I know you've been doing it for a while, so you have a, yes. had a lot of time to learn a lot of these mistakes and learn what to yes. do, right? <laughs> but what, what do you wish you would have learned earlier that maybe would have made
1: it a little bit easier for you? You know, I just asked this question on my Facebook group day, so I love that you're asking this. I would say have patience. I mean, that's, to, to me, if I could come back to my earlier self, I would say be patient, have patience.
0: That is so true. It's going to take a while and it always does and it always takes longer than you think it's going to take. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. Uh, last but not least, where can people get more information about you and copywriting and, and all that sort of stuff?
1: Great. Um, well, my website is my name, dot so Awesome. I- there. Um, I'm very active on Facebook. I have a Facebook group um, called the Dreammaker Studio. It's brand new, about two weeks old now.
0: Excellent. And the name of your group, one more time? It's called the Dreammaker Studio. Dreammaker. Um, I put a link in the. Um, yeah, yeah, please. Because uh-huh. I'm going to link to all of this in the show notes okay. for everybody listening. That's going to be over at 42yogis.com slash podcast. And selfishly, I'm always looking for new awesome Facebook groups. Oh, so cool. I'll be popping over. Yay. Well, we are brand new, two weeks old
1: as of last Tuesday. Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm going to be doing a Facebook Live visibility challenge in
0: July. Ooh, I like that. So I think that's a lot of um, a lot of what people are really struggling with with Facebook Live right now is they they're like, okay, well, who's going to come? Is it just going to be the people that I'm friends with who get the alert that are going to show up? And I think a lot of people really struggle with... Well, it, is it really going to be able to help me increase visibility? Well, I don't know, and so they just don't even do it.
1: Yes, but it goes right back to all of the rest of it, right? Whether it's creating the product, putting it out, and wondering if anyone's going to buy it, or um, create, you know, writing a blog post. Of course, you know, especially the early days of longing when you're new to it, you know, is anyone reading it? You have to build the audience. It's the same in anything. Exactly, and it takes time and it takes consistency mm-hmm. to get any sort of result. It does, it does. I did uh thirty days straight of Facebook Live videos back in the winter and it was so well, yeah, it was great, it was really empowering and you know, yeah, you I know, lots of views and uh, I usually they're really short, like you know, under five minutes to two to three minutes I think. Um, but it, you know, gave me a lot. I was like, oh, this is, this is kind of fun. It gave me a lot more confidence in front of camera and that. And then when we were wrapping it up, you know, my yeah. friend said, oh, these are great tips. You should, you know, I'd love if you do these all the time. And I'm like, huh. So I've been very intermittent over the last couple of months, but I'm kind of going to wrap it up again.
0: Excellent. I've been the same way on on Periscope. I was really active over the winter, and then you know I'm in this this season in my business where I have a lot of other things going on. I think live streaming is a really good way for people to boost their confidence and to get more comfortable speaking in front of people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's really great, and you know I'm just a, I'm, I'm the kind of person like, Cool, let's just let's just try it. Let's just jump in and do it, you know. Like when I when Vlad first came out, I was all over Vlad. I was like, "Hey, you want to go and test this with me?" <laughs> I mean, awesome. Like, uh, you know, because I just I just think it's a great tool. And and actually I was really excited when t- about Twitter. You know, back in like two thousand seven, I was like, "This is great." And I was really obsessed for a while. But I felt I was like I was a little excited about making social media. And so Twitter, like, well, first when I found Blab. <laughs> that's, that's
0: awesome. It's such a fun platform.
1: Well, it is, and I love the connections, and you know, and I'm not—I don't use it a lot these days. But um, I mean, I just love that you can just have conversations. About
0: it. Yes, and then really, that's that's the cornerstone of anything that you do with online marketing. It's just getting on and having conversations, no matter what platform it is you're using to do that. Exactly. So, All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. This has been fabulous. So, I'm going to link to everything that you mentioned, your, um, your Facebook group, your website, your Twitter, all that is going to be in the show notes over at 42yogis.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a pleasure.
1: Me as well.